We want to turn our scripture reading to the book of Matthew chapter 6, Matthew 6, 19 to 21, Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Do not let up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy all, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. This morning, we are blessed to minister to us the word of God. Professor Kwame Wedu is our preacher today. Press on. Victory. Now, we've been learning from the book of Ephesians. And uh, in that book, God has shown us his purpose for us and what we need to do without what he has done for us. Now, God's purpose is not for man to stay here on earth. God's purpose is ultimately to make all of us like Christ. To unite heaven and earth under Christ and also under man. When I heard that came, I said, what? Under man? He said, yes, but you are going to reign with him. When you sing that forever and ever, you reign with him. That's what it means. Then God says something very interesting. Who will go and buy something and pay more than the value for it? And if you go and they say this is uh, 1,000 cities, I don't think you'll buy it. You won't pay for it. You want to pay exactly how much you think it costs. So, was God being a fool when he bought us with Christ? That was, God was saying that, in my eyes, I equate you to Christ. The value I put on you, the same value put on Christ. That shook me because I've never thought of it like that. That God values me the same way he values Christ. That is why he says he will change us to be like him. So we are here on earth. Really this message is not for people who are not believers because you cannot store Treasure in heaven when you are not bound for heaven. You can't. So, everything begins when you have become saved. That's where we begin this story from. When you are saved. Because, you see, the man on the cross, when did he become saved? The moment Christ said, you'll be with me in paradise. 
He had never stored anything for himself in heaven. But he will go to heaven. But he will go Kwatrekwa. Okay, so all this is about post-salvation. So, Paul says we are his children. He chose us before even the foundations of the world were laid. So I say, so God, you mean before you created heaven and earth and all those things, you have chosen me. Then it does not mean that we try to defend God that all these calamities that we are facing. People ask, so if God is real and God is love and God is why are we having the floods? I have my own ideas. I don't want any people from somewhere to come and tell me that I have said something about their something which are submerged. Which couldn't save themselves and are submerged. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear that. But see, God, God in all these things is showing that he is God. That he will do what he will do. God knew man was going to sin anyway. Because Christ was promised even before man sinned. If you believe that. So God knew. So why did he do that? Why did God create some people blind and some people crippled? Well, Jesus said that what? It's because of the glory of God. I don't know why that gives glory to God, but it shows that God is God and will do what he wants to do. He will have mercy on whom he wants to have mercy. And so it is not about us. Now, the preacher said something. He used, he, uh, he read from Genesis, which was something that I've read, but I've never looked at it. That Genesis 29, 31 to 35, about Leah. Now, Leah was, I don't know what to describe her, but she's the most unfortunate of women. To be, to be married to a man who doesn't love you, and you know that he loves your sister more than he loves you. But something strange happened here. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to her first child, as she named Reuben. Then she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. First one. Then she conceived again. Gave birth to the second one. Then she said, Because the Lord has seen that I am not loved, He gave me this one also. Then she gave birth to a third one. Then she said, Now at last, my husband will become attracted to me because I have borne him three sons. Then she had a fourth one. That was when it dawned on her that it wasn't about her. It was all about God. And she said, this time, I will praise the Lord. This time, I will praise the Lord. Then, she stopped having children. Now, when a man said, I said, ah, 
So that was what God was telling me in the car when I was driving here. That whatever we do on this earth, whatever he blesses us with, whatever he gives to us, it is not about us. It is not for us. It is for his glory. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, the first three things are strange. He first says, our Father in heaven. Our Father is in heaven. And he says, hallowed be your name. You know what hallowed means? Hallowed be your name. It means that God is to let his name be worshipped, be exalted, be honored, and adored in all the earth. Then he says, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is done. Three requests when we start praying. We are all about the kingdom of God. It's all about us. It's all about God. So, I was only going to use that as introduction. Okay, so now, let's come to the meat of what we are going to talk about. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this moment when we can come and hear from your throne of grace. Let your word find fertile soil. Let your word find rich, deep soil in our hearts. Let your word come in the power of the Holy Spirit, breaking through every stronghold, every pretension, every argument, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. That your word will be rooted in our hearts. And as your word roots deeper and deeper in our hearts, we will become rooted deeper and deeper in Christ, drawing nourishment from him so that we will become like him. That with each day, we will grow towards the full measure of Christ. For that is your purpose for our life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Now, when I was doing this stage, normally I would have put my name there. But somehow, I was constrained by the Holy Spirit not to put my name there because what is there is not written by me. It is not from me. And therefore, I could not put my name there as the author of what was there. I was going to type my, I wasn't even sure whether to type my name as deacon or professor or what. But somehow, the Spirit convicted me that, uh-uh, you ask God to help you. So what you are going to say is not from you. So don't put your name there. So that's why my name is not there. So, what are our treasures? Because if we are not to store for ourselves treasures or nothing, supposes that we have treasures. And what are the treasures being referred to here? Now, as I said, these are gifts that God has given to us. For us to use for his glory. 
to do the good works that he has prepared for us to do, even before the worlds were created. As Ephesians 2. Life, time, talents, energy, creativity, material wealth, meaning money, and everything that money can buy. We are to use this to serve God to build his kingdom here on earth and bringing souls into the kingdom. Now, James 1.17 tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God. So, we don't truly own anything we possess. It says, what have you received? What do you have that you have not received? All the gifts from God. And ultimately, ultimately, be used for him. Our very life belongs to him. Our money, talents, resources, our opportunities to give back to God and others, God blesses us. God does not give us all these things so that our lives on earth will be comfortable. That is not what God is saying. But these are opportunities for us to be selfless and giving back to God and others. Now, how do we store treasures for ourselves in heaven on earth? What does it mean? This refers to being, I like the word that I'm going to use here because it is very earthly, worldly. It refers to being intoxicated. You know, to be intoxicated is to be under the control of whatever you are intoxicated with. I mean, if you see somebody who is intoxicated with alcohol, you know that he is under the control of alcohol. Uh, if you've seen those people, even in San Francisco, who you see and they are sitting there like that, or they are lying down in a very awkward way, they are intoxicated with whatever that is controlling them. So, what this refers to is that being intoxicated with worldly pleasures, loving the treasures God has given us, in themselves, loving the treasures above what God does, what desires us to use them for. Loving the things that God has created and given us above the Creator Himself. Our lives do not derive from the abundance of our possessions, our lives are far greater and more important and the accumulation of mere material things. We are all created for a greater purpose than simple self-gratification and greed and the desire to be satisfied by the created things rather than being satisfied by the Creator. Colossians 3.1 says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So, what God is saying here is that he blesses us with material wealth. When he does that, he expects us, but he desires 
that we will use the money to glorify his name. All the things that he gives us to glorify his name, to do his will, to do the good works that he has prepared for us. God is not concerned about the money, talents, and everything he gives us in themselves. So he gives them to us freely. And he expects us that we'll use that to glorify his name. It is what we think of what God gives us, the wealth, the material things, what our attitudes are towards the wealth that matters to him. It's not the, the wealth themselves, but our attitude to the wealth. That matters to God. Now, there is nothing wrong in having money and having plenty of it. Because God even says that uh, money does all kinds of things, answers all problems. So he knows what God, money can do. So that's not what he's talking about. It is a relationship to this wealth and everything that this world can buy that can go wrong. A relationship, an attitude. That is what God is concerned about. He's not concerned about having money and having it in abundance. The world that God gives us is not for us to accumulate to ourselves, but to use to his glory. It is not about us. The word Jesus used for that is translated as store up comes from the Greek word Pesarizo, meaning to gather and to reserve. Some uh, years ago, if you did that in this country, you will regret it for the rest of your life. They used to call it hoarding. Uh, even if you had more than one thing of sardine on yourself, some people considered it hoarding. Money is not the only treasure to gather goods. There are a lot of things that are not tangible that we have to guard against, which are also gifts that God gives us that we can use uh, to help each other and to help build the kingdom of God. So, love of status, I mean status, Position. Um, you know, you, you can use your position to change somebody's sleeping place, as SPC, you know, calls it. Position can do a lot of things. Where you are can do a lot of things. The praise of men, Nanao, uh, Abuao, whatever they say, the praise of men, the honor that you receive from men. All these things can get into our heads. You know, God places, places us in positions of honor and so on. All these things can get into our heads. And we begin to rejoice and to place all our uh, everything on the positions that we hold. Now, all these things can sway us from our allegiance to God and into temporary satisfaction. 
These things are subject to deterioration and distraction. Otherwise, they may be subject to being eaten by moths and rust. Eventually, however, all these things will disappear. They will expire. If they don't, we will die and leave them here. We won't take them with us. Now, we've been talking about physical. These things are physical. Physical wealth. But there's also one that is not physical and intangible. Spiritual. We should not lose sight or fall victims to the spiritual bondage imposed by worldly treasures. In fact, that is Satan's focus. Satan is not interested in the wealth. His focus is not to cause us to lose the worldly treasure. He is not interested in that. His focus is to use the worldly treasures and the pleasures that we get from them by uh, developing the wrong attitude to wealth. That wrong attitude will enslave us according to the passions of our flesh and to take our minds off what the Holy Spirit is saying, what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. We should guard against falling into this trap. Now as we should be careful not to be misled by Satan into putting so much premium on the things that God has given us. So that to the extent that we begin to worship these things and not worship the Creator. So when God blesses you, he desires that you use that blessing to glorify His name and not to hoard it, not to joy over it. This is what happened to those who do that. In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21, you read about what God calls the rich fool. Luke 12, 16 to 21. The rich fool. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. Then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now, take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you have worked for? So what does it mean? All these things that we are craving for, that have become what we work for. We are fixated on all these things. They're just temporary. We don't even know when we are going anyway. Uh, we prayed for people who have lost everything that they have worked for. Now, 
Two months ago, if you had told them this were going to happen, they would scoff at you and laugh at you. I'm sure if Pastor Walsh had gone there and prophesied, this is going to happen, they would have lynched him. You see, it is not about us. It is about God. And God will be God, whether we like it or not. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Whoever loves money never has money enough. And I'm sure you, so when people steal 10,000, then they go and steal 2 million. Sometimes you say somebody has stolen 10 million. You say, ah, why does he want to steal 10 million? What does he want all that money for? That is what the Bible is talking about. The man has stolen 5,000. He's gone to 10,000, 100,000, 1 million, 1 million. Now he's gone for 10 million. He never has enough money. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. His too is meaningless. So, what do we mean by treasure in heaven? So we have we, we see what it means not to store. We know treasures are things that God uses. Now we know what happens to those who treasure and store and hoard all these treasures for themselves. So what is treasure in heaven? Treasures in heaven means spiritual blessings which are infinite. And eternal value. Infinite and eternal value. Believing God's promise. That our inheritance Christ is eternal and incorruptible. In reaching the things of God, Luke 12 21. Now, do you know that the souls that will win. So is that going to heaven? Ah. Our treasures in heaven. If you heard that song. Thank you for giving to the Lord. You know, that song. The souls that we will encounter in heaven are the rewards of our work here on earth. Our obedience to the Great Commission. Added to this are the rewards that God will give us in heaven for doing his good works on earth. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 15 tells us that we should be careful how we build, how we work, that God will test our works with fire. And uh, if your works are consumed by the fire, then uh, you go to heaven. But you go to have nothing there. Our Lord wants us not to place our hearts on what our eyes can see, our hands can grasp, all of which will rot, will rust, or in the end, be consumed when they are tested by the fire of God. Our works are not to be valueless but we rather of the highest quality and also enduring. Proverbs 11.4 says that 
wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. Righteousness delivers from death. So, where your heart is, where your treasure is. We should keep our eyes not bound to the things on earth which are temporary and so uncertain. First Timothy 6.17 tells us we should not put our eyes and fix our eyes on everything on the things on earth. So the earth is fading, going to go away. And we should keep our hearts fixed on heaven where the eternal treasures are. God is not saying that it's going to have work, any kind. He even encourages us to ask him to bless us. It is not wrong to ask God for money. Because this is not a sign. Some of us believe that, oh, to ask God for money and all this is a sign of being greedy and selfish, being self-centered. Of course it can be, but it does not have to be. Sometimes we pray, God, give us breakthrough, give us breakthrough, give us breakthrough, give us breakthrough. And sometimes, soon as I'm tired of this word, give us breakthrough, give us breakthrough. What I want to hear is, Lord, bless us so that we can give to your work and fulfill your plans. When you do that, you are in proper spiritual alignment with God. It is not about us. We should stop saying, give us breakthrough, give us breakthrough. Breakthrough for what? There are some of us in this church. Uh, God has intentionally kept us where we are. I'm not raising beyond, what do you call it? Uh, the money that we give. Welfare. But you have gone from January, we are now in October, getting to the end of October. You have not died. You have eaten. You have bought things. Where did that money come from? Oh, we are welfare, so we don't pay tithes. Don't do anything. But all those tithes, that God, the welfare, that God plays on the hearts of good people so that the church can give to you. All says, bring part of it. And see whether you will not move from where you are. God is able to abundantly bless us. Able to bless those who are generous. Now, my BBC is worrying me. I borrowed this from my wife and I don't know how to use it. I'm in trouble. He is able to uh, bless us abundantly and bless those who are generous in using their time, their resources, and other gifts to do the good things for the work of his kingdom and for others. God decides that we do so willingly 
They desire to do so and cherish the act of giving back to him and others. 2 Corinthians 9, 16. Now, in part, the explosive growth of the New Testament church that we read about in the Bible came about due to the charity of some Christians. Christians were willing to sell their assets in order to finance the will of God. Acts 4, 34 to 37. Now, I'm not saying go and sell your things. Let the Holy Spirit tell you before you do that. Don't say that I told you. And go and be an anus and sapphire and so I don't want that. Now, how do we lay up treasures in heaven? The good works that we do. These are many. I can't even just talking about them. Giving generously to those in need. Doing all the good things that we know we ought to do. Giving to the Lord's work. Regular tithing to our regularly tithing to our church. Giving offerings. Now these are investments in the kingdom work. God is doing through our church. We can also be generous with our time, talents, our creativity, and everything else that we can use to serve God. Ask yourself this question. How do I spend my time? How do I spend my resources? How do I use the gifts that I have received? Now, the central theme of the gospel of grace is that God gave up his greatest treasure, Jesus Christ, who gave up the ultimate wealth, the ultimate wealth himself for us. He became poor that we might become rich. Remember, we are merely stewards of what God has given us. And God has blessed us. When we use the gifts, talents, and material wealth God has blessed us with to impact the world in the name of Jesus Christ, we may treasures in heaven. For her, your heart is where your treasure is, there you are to be also. Matthew 6, 33 to 34. This morning I said that people all this week, where I pass, they say what I want to see. This morning we said, we had, seek you first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things will be given to you well. If you honor God, He will honor you. If you put His work first, He will bless your work. May the Lord help us as we seek to build our heavenly treasure here on earth. Amen. You see that time, six seconds. See, God doesn't joke with this. He, he, he knew what he was doing.
<laughs> the time is up. Uh, so, we thank God. Now, as I said, this is not about us. You cannot store up treasures to yourself in heaven when you are not going to heaven. It all starts when you give your life and you become child of God. That is where it all starts from. If you are here, I'm going to start to conclude. But if you are here, I just want to say that if you are here and you have not done that, then you haven't even begun what we just said. Now, I have very good news for you. This morning, when I got here, a senior pastor met me there. He said, hey, huh. good news. Oh. The three million that we want to raise, we have raised it. Aha. So, but the best one that he said is that the money is in your pocket. Okay. We have raised it, but the money is in your pocket. Okay? So, don't hoard it. <laughs> Bring it so that we will hit the target. So, you are all clapping, which means that you will do it so that we will hit the target. Amen.